0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Today's Sunday, July 17th, we're in a little summer series called Without Walls featuring pastors from other real life churches around the region. Richie Shaw from Real Life Spokane joins us today to share his message, The Gospel Goes, encouraging us to take the gospel with us in all areas of our life. Well, good morning, Real Life. It's super good to see you. Everybody doing okay this morning? Let me ask you one more time, just because I don't think you heard me. Everybody doing okay this morning? Good. Good. Well, I am, uh, I grew up in the Seattle area, live in Spokane now. My name is Richie Shaw from Real Life in Spokane. So I'm kind of a Washington guy. So can we just, like, huge shout out for everybody over in Pullman. Can we just say hi to everybody in Pullman? Can you put your hands together for Pullman? I, uh... I also want you to just say welcome this morning. My, my oldest daughter, Faith, she came down. She got up at 6 a.m. She's 11 years old. She got up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning on, on summer break to come travel with her dad here this morning. Can you just say thank you to an 11-year-old girl who is committed to Jesus this morning? You'll see her with me out there in the lobby. Man, super humbled to be here with you this morning. I love that Jesus has brought so many churches across this region together. You know, I think there's 10 different real-life locations now in the inland northwest. We're planting our 11th location in, uh, in Houston, Texas uh, this fall. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Brandon Ginden is going to lead the charge there, and... You know what, I understand, like, I love Aaron Couch, your lead pastor here, lead coach. Uh, I, I love his heart for Jesus, for his word, and uh, I heard that Aaron preaches without notes here at Real Life. Is that true? Challenge accepted. I have nothing with me, okay? So uh, this is all for Aaron right now. I am going to go for it. And uh, I, love, I love what God is doing here with, without walls. Uh, four different churches of this Real Life movement getting together saying, hey, what makes us a church without walls? What, what has led us to be, you know, over the last 16, 18 years, what, why have we seen such a massive impact across the Northwest? Why have we seen a church spring up in the middle of, of the Palouse that is just so impactful? I'm, I'm talking to a couple of new people out there in your lobby today that are saying, we love this church because it cares so much about the community. Like, why is that possible? Why is that happening? Jesus' church has always been a church without walls. Matthew 16, 18, he said, he promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it, will not be able to stop it. And when we hear that, I know the four lead pastors doing this rotation together are going, man, what is it going to take for us to continue to have that kind of heartbeat? The the heartbeat that's lasted the last 2,000 years, that's made massive movements of Jesus across the globe. Like, what is it that's going to make us a church without walls? And each of us are coming really... I really believe kind of in our strength to this series. And uh, I, I love, love to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love to talk about how impactful the good news of Jesus Christ is. And so I'm going to do my best to bring my best this morning. I believe that God's going to meet you here and speak to you. Do you believe that this morning? But I want to challenge you to do your part. I want to challenge you to engage wholeheartedly in this time, to write down notes, to get out your notes or your sermon notes, whatever you got. You got a Bible app, get it out. Like We are going to spend some time, the next 25 minutes, engaged wholeheartedly. And I want to ask God to, to meet us here in this time. So bring your best. I'll bring mine. I know God always does. Let's pray together. Jesus, right now, we trust you to show up and to speak in a powerful way. God, thank you for softening every heart in this room. Jesus, I believe that there's people in the room that don't know you, that need to know you this morning. I pray, God, that your power and your gospel would come alive in every heart. I pray, Jesus, for every heart that's kind of disconnected from you and shrunken back, God, that you would revive, revitalize. God, bring awake, God, in this moment to be reminded of why we do what we do, Jesus. Make us your church without walls. God, I pray for everybody in Pullman right now, God, that you would speak powerfully in this time, Jesus. Engage their hearts, holy God, in this time. We love you. We trust you. In your name, can you say amen? Amen. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all mankind. Do you believe that? It is the power of God for the salvation of all mankind. The gospel is simply this, the good news about Jesus Christ, the good news of his coming, of his rescuing of all mankind. Do you know you and I are made to be in relationship with God? We're created that way. I mean, that's the essence of how he made us in Genesis chapter 1, 2. We're also made to be in relationship with each other. But because of our sinful, disobedient hearts that just lead us to do our own thing, many of us not intentionally trying to rebel against God, but just our attitude that's marred by this willful disobedience towards God's design leads us to a broken relationship with him and broken relationships with each other. We all know this brokenness, don't we? We can feel it. You could see it, you could taste it. I mean, you look at what's going on in Paris. You look at uh, what's going on in France. You look at what's going on in Dallas. You look at the brokenness in our world. You look right here on the Palouse, you see addiction. You see, you see hurt. You see broken marriages. You see wrecks in so many lives. Like, it doesn't take us long to recognize where our sinful nature gets us. For us to be back in, design, in our design, in God's re- in relationship with God, it requires that we meet Him At his standard, his standard is perfection. Because of our brokenness, man, you could see the distance between us and perfection. It's long, it's deep, it's wide. Some of us feel like it's way wider for others of us. But because of that brokenness, man, we have no way to get back. We need somebody to step in, to to bridge the gap, to make a way. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is God himself come to earth to walk sinless and perfect, to substitute his righteousness for all of our unrighteousness, to literally take all of our sin, past, present, future sin of all mankind on himself, and substitute his perfection for anyone that would put their faith in him. This is a free gift of grace that nobody can earn. Nobody could be religious enough. Nobody could build a bridge themselves from their imperfection to God's standard of holiness. None of us could do it. It is only by the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, right? This is the gospel of God, and here's what makes the church without walls. is when you and I choose, as Jesus' church, to take the gospel with us. I want you to write this down. The gospel goes, when the gospel goes with Jesus Christ, Jesus' church, we are a church without walls. When you and I have the gospel of Jesus Christ inside of us, impacting us, changing us, transforming us, when we go with the gospel, man, when we take it with us, we become a church without walls. I want you to write this down because I know that you're starting to ask the question like I do. Like, how do I do that? Man, I, I, I have challenges. I have issues. I have people that don't trust me. I have brokenness in my relationships. I have, I'm just busy, Richie. Like, it's enough for me to just get in here on a Sunday. Like, this is a big deal that I'm here this morning. I believe it starts with this. For us to take the gospel with us, it starts with us making our gospel move. Write that down. Make your gospel move. See, the the gospel brings us to a place of what the Bible calls conviction. The Spirit of God is working in hearts even as we speak. People in the room that are hearing the gospel for the first time, that God loves you no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, and he's ready to draw you to himself this morning. No matter how disconnected you are from God's standard of perfection, he's here. He wants to reconcile you to himself. He's ready to substitute his perfection for all of your imperfections. And the moment that 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 realization of God's goodness and grace, nothing you've done to deserve it, the moment that that impacts us, man, it it moves in our hearts in a powerful way. And the same thing happened at the beginning of Jesus' church in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had just left his disciples and 120 of them were gathered in the upper room and they began to pray. They were waiting for the power of God to fall on them. Jesus said, wait until I send you my spirit. Well, in Acts 2, the Spirit comes a sound like a rushing wind, fills the room, and then these tongues of fire begin to light on the 12 apostles. And as the fire lands on them, they, they are filled with the Spirit and begin to speak the glories, the wonders, declare the wonders of God in other languages in other tongues. People are gathered all over Jerusalem for this festival, the Jewish tradition. And as they are there, they are come from all different tribes and languages and tongues. And and they're starting to hear these apostles declaring the wonders of God in their own languages. A crowd gathers. And Peter, with the other 11 apostles, stands to his feet and begins to preach a message. And he concludes his message with this statement right here. So let everyone in Israel know for certain. Like that's a, that's a big word for certain, not kind of, maybe a little bit. No, for certain that God has made this Jesus who's he, who he's declaring, whom you crucified. Man, that could be a, a very divisive statement in many people's hearts. I didn't do it. I wasn't there. Jews of that day, many of them would go, man, I, I wasn't there. Some might have been there when, when Jesus was crucified just several weeks before this. And maybe, maybe I was there, but no, Peter's making a statement. It's your and my past, present, future sin that led Jesus to the cross. The sin that, that led Jesus to the cross caused him to have to sacrifice his own blood to shed the blood of this perfect, spotless sacrifice on behalf of every single one of us. This is why the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all mankind. Peter says, whom you crucified, real life, God made him both Lord and Messiah, I love this next statement, Peter's words pierced their hearts, that's conviction, that's what I'm talking about, the gospel's got to move you at your core, the gospel has got to penetrate through the, the shrouds of complacency and the, the layers of, of kind of sickness and addiction. The gospel has got to break through all of the presumptuous kind of pride and these senses of like my life works and I've got it all together and I'm doing okay. Like, like the gospel has got to penetrate not just once, but every single day through all of those layers of our life, trying to put our lives together and make our lives work. They, they were pierced to the heart. And man, that conviction... Brought them to this question, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replies, Repent of your sin, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This promise is not just for you, it's it's the gift of the Holy Spirit, but also for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. This promise is for everyone. This is why the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all mankind. And man, I just got to tell you this morning in real life, like you don't ever graduate from the gospel. You don't get so like put together and good that you're fine without the grace of God. The same token, those of you in the room that feel so shamed and disgusted about your life and where you're at, you're not so messed up that the gospel can't rescue you and bring you into right relationship with God. But I want to speak, some of us, man, it's been a while since we've been impacted by the conviction of the spirit of God, where, where God's led us to this place where we have to ask this question, what should I do? Man, a movement of people is made up of people who move, who don't just think, who don't just study, who don't just look at stuff, who ponder stuff, process stuff. Man, I'm all about studying. I'm all about looking and thinking and asking questions. But at some point, we got to move, right? At some point, our lives got to be changed. At some point, our convictions got to lead to action. And if you just sit, man, I question like what kind of prompting and leadership of the spirit of God is inside you? Man, for you and I to take the gospel with us, the gospel's got to move us. Are you with me on that? The gospel's got to move us. If it doesn't move you, man, you got to get to a spot where you are pierced like, God, make me ready and available to hear your word, your leadership, and move me to this place of action. We are a people who are asking constantly, God, what do you want me to do? We're repenting, we're turning back to God. There's this consistent growth, these steps happening in our life all the time. For the gospel to go with us, man, we've gotta make our gospel move. Second thing is this though, like for us to take the gospel with us is, is you and I, this is where without my notes I'm challenged right now. This is second point, it's super good and I can't remember it at all. Will you guys help me out in the back? Second piece, would you, think, no, the second script, uh, point. You're close, there you go. Get your gospel motivation. Dang it, I was so close, right? Don't tell Aaron, please. I did so good without my notes all sermon long. (laughs) Get your gospel motivation. What makes you passionate? What makes you tick? What makes you move? What makes your, your heart just come alive? What makes you just like do, this is the phrase for us at Real Life Spokane, do whatever it takes. What is it about your life? Like, is it making lots of money? Is it having the perfect family? Is it having the most amazing student athlete? Like, what is it about your life that just gets you lit up, that you just say, I will do whatever it takes? See, Jesus had a gospel motivation. Luke 19.10, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. See, if you and I are going to have the same passion of our master, of our leader, of the kingdom of God, the king of the kingdom of God, his name is Jesus, we look at this passage in Luke 19, 10, and we go, well, his motivation was clear. He came to seek and save those who were lost. You know, the number one emotional response Jesus had with people was compassion. Zacchaeus, in this story, Luke 19, and he, he's, a, he's a short little guy. You heard the story before. He's a wee little man. Maybe you went to VBS or something like that when you were a kid. Maybe you didn't. That's okay. I was a church kid, and I'm still recovering from it. And uh, he, he's this little short tax collector, and the Jews hated him because he was a Jew that betrayed him. He, he's now working for the oppressive Roman government, and they can't stand these traitors. And so he's a reject. He's an outcast, and he's very rich because of his, his abuse of this uh, tax system. And so... So he's this kind of outsider, like one like in your life that would annoy you, this one that maybe is at work that never gets work done and always complains about what work you're not doing, or maybe this family member that's always gossiping behind your back, or this friend that you used to have but you no longer have because you can't stand the way that they interact with you. Like, you like, we've all got those people in our life. And, and Jesus walks into town and all the religious people are there, all the people that look just like us, sound like us, smell like us, look exactly like us, like, like they're all there waiting for Jesus to greet them, maybe, maybe to, to even like acknowledge them. And Jesus sees that Zacchaeus, the short little wee little man has climbed a sycamore tree. And he's climbed this tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is he walks into town, he finds the people who are the most hungry, the most desperate, the most passionate about doing whatever it takes to be near him. Don't you love that? He looks right past all the presumptuous religious people that got their lives all put together, that kind of graduated from the gospel. He looks right past them, and he looks to the guy in the tree and goes, man, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Man, I think of the moments when Jesus' disciples are kind of annoyed by the the people, like all these families are bringing their kids because they just want Jesus to bless their little ones. And and the disciples are shooing the kids away, going, no, 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 get them away, get them away. Like, Like we can't, we don't have time for this. And Jesus is moved with what? With compassion. Now bring these little children to me. The disciples go with Jesus across the lake and and, and they get to this spot where they're ready to pray and to rest and hordes of people, thousands and thousands of people travel all the way around the lake to find him. and and, and they get there and you can imagine the disciples like, holy smoke, we're trying to get away from these people and we just need some time to rest. We've been busy with all these miracles and all these healings and all this crazy stuff that Jesus has been doing and, and here are these people, master, send them away. They're hungry, tell them to go get some food and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. He's moved with compassion. He says, they're like, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless, he says. Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from the tree and says, I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus begins to repent of all of his sin. And, 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 and he, he, he gives back four times everything he's stolen from people. And Jesus says, surely salvation has come to this house today. For the son of man, Luke 19, 10, came to seek and save those who are lost. What motivates us for real life? What, what drives our hearts? What brings passion to us? What gives us this courage to do whatever it takes, no matter what, nothing's going to stand in our way of moments where we see a man like Zacchaeus, despised, rejected, outcast, set aside from society, that, that, that our Savior would take the time to notice, like, who are those people that we're overlooking because we're annoyed by them? Like, our motivation, if it doesn't kind of roll with this sense of urgency and passion, like, man, I want to just challenge us to ask God, God, like, God, my heart doesn't break like yours does. Break it. I don't feel a burden like you do, Jesus. Give me a burden. I'm just more consumed with my life and my job and my money and my kids and my busyness. Like, like we got stuff, don't we? But below the surface of it all, I hear our saviors going, man, are you gonna be a church without walls? Or are you gonna just be content to just attend services, go through religious motion, and just do things that good church people do and miss the boat completely? And man, when, I, when I'm challenged this way, I, I pray that God moves us the way Paul was moved. 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Look at this with me. When he was moved in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, he says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring, here's his motivation, many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. Here's his motivation. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Hear him, bring them to Christ. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from the law so I could bring them to Christ. I don't ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything, you hear this, whatever it takes, to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. And I, I, I want us to be a movement of people who move, who run not with just a complacency and layers of kind of awkwardness and, and hesitation in our life, but people that are courageous enough to run to win. Get this gospel motivation inside of you. Get this motivation inside of you that drives you in, in humility and, 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 and this, this drive, this passion that says, I will do whatever it takes. Man, I get off so easy. Do you get off like, man, it's like a switch. It's like a light switch for me. Intentional in tune with the spirit, unintentional, selfish, doing my own thing. Anybody else got that light switch inside them? I hate this, right? I hate this old version of me. Like I've worked so hard over the last couple of decades, me and Jesus like growing in the spirit and walking in the spirit, but then there's this, this, like, this reverting that happens so quick. My oldest that's here with me, she plays, well, both my girls play club soccer, and um, she had a tournament last weekend over in Seattle. And we're over at this tournament, and his first game, new team, all these parents on the sideline, this, this massive mission field, and I don't care diddly squat about any of them. I don't know what happened inside of me, but the flip, like the switch flipped, and all I care about is my daughter winning a stupid soccer game, like the parents drive hundreds of miles to Seattle. Like, we are crazy, right, in Spokane? Like, it makes no sense. Let's not play anybody in Spokane. Let's all drive to Seattle and play Seattle people, because like, they're way different than Spokane people. And uh, we, we're like... We're there, and all I care about is my daughter winning the soccer game. I have no mind at all for this massive mission field. And, and, and I'm missing it completely. Like, by the grace of God, my amazing wife, who's home with my younger daughter today, like, like there was so much kind of going on during that first game that by game two, thank God, my eyes were opened, right? But, like, this switch is just so, like, lame inside of us. Like, we just go selfish, internal, what I don't have, what I don't know, like, what, where I'm missing it. And, and, and really, I believe, like, the gospel motivation that's got to ooze out. Side of us says we will do whatever it takes to see God, your kingdom, come, to see your gospel move to these people's lives. Third piece of this is that we got to create gospel moments. For us to take the gospel with us, we gotta t- create gospel moments. Let me warn us on this: gospel moments are not created by how much you know. I'm sure, you gotta answer questions sometimes, but I think that's probably one of our biggest fears, is I won't know what to say when somebody asks me a question about the Bible. Prove the validity of scripture, right? The deity of Christ, like all these big theological words about eschatology and these different things, you know, Calvinism, like we don't know, like, and if I don't know, then maybe I can't talk ever about, like most non-Christians don't know any of those words either. So you're pretty safe. And, 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 and I would just encourage you on this, like, like, like what we know does not create gospel moments. In fact, Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians, he said, actually, um, knowledge puffs up, which disconnects us from people, and love builds up, which connects us to people. Gospel moments are created not by the knowledge and the answers that we have, but by the love that we display in our relationships. Paul says in Romans twelve nine. he says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Yeah, yeah when I hear that, don't you kind of go like, well, yeah, like, you shouldn't have to like reiterate the second part of the phrase, right? Paul, like, no, I get like what it means not to pretend. But, 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 but what he's suggesting here with double emphasis is that you and I have the propensity as people to fake it. To just go through motions and pretend like we care about people when really we're self-motivated. I want you to challenge yourself this week. Like what's driving you in these relationships? self accolades self-recognition, self kind of acclaim, like this this self-positioning that we're trying to garner in our relationships. And this is not love. At the core of Jesus' church is Luke 9.23 when he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For us to truly learn how to love and not just pretend to love people, like manipulate people to get what we want. Like we'll pretend to be nice just to get what we want. That's not love. It requires us to deny ourselves, to take up this cross that Jesus has given to us and to carry it toward the death of our selfish, sinful nature every single day. Man, when you and I learn to really love people, gospel moments are created. When we hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Man, at work, when you choose to walk away from conversations that are degrading of other people of, of particular people groups and you know racist or sexist and in the different manners like when you choose to walk away from those conversations you're you're hating what is wrong and you're clinging to what is good in those moments guess what people are going to ask you what's up with your motivation why are you separating yourself why do you why do you want to not be in and you got to do it gracefully you don't you don't flip everybody the bird and walk away like oh you guys are all heathens right like no, no 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 like you you do this graciously but you walk away He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Ladies, when you're together with the other women who have husbands and boyfriends and, you know, fiancés as well, and you choose to honor your man instead of degrade your man. In a culture of dishonor, That's so popular. I mean, in in online, you know, kind of you can post whatever you want online and feel like nobody can say anything about it. Like in a culture of dishonor and brokenness for you to say, no, no, I choose to honor the man that God has given me, that's put in my life. I choose to lift him up when everybody else would kind of put their husband down. Like you're going to stick out massively and a gospel moment is going to be created by your choice to honor this other person in your life. Never be lazy. He says every employee in the room. I want you to hear this. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. The moment that you choose to not just work for yourself at work, lazy is not just getting the job done. Lazy is being there for a paycheck and just living for the weekend. Your boss knows the difference, I guarantee you. And the moment that you choose to engage wholeheartedly and want the organization to be better because you're there, your boss is going to be like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? A gospel moment is gonna be created because of your selflessness, because of this love inside you for your boss and this organization that he's created. Man, do not be lazy, Paul says. Work hard as unto the Lord with enthusiasm. Do whatever it takes to see these people know the goodness and the power of Jesus Christ. Create these gospel moments. Man, I think the the heart posture for us is so essential that we recognize in all of this. I was with a friend a couple of weeks ago and he, uh, he doesn't know Jesus at all, and I was so motivated and excited about this moment because he invited me to speak into a big transition in his life. He's from the soccer community that I'm connected with through my kids, and I was like, man, this is cool. Like God's developed a relationship here, and now he's asking me these big questions about life. I get a chance to bring Jesus to the conversation, and something switched in my heart on the way to the conversation. Well, I wasn't motivated by love anymore. I started being motivated by self because I'm going, man, it's been a while since I led somebody to Jesus, and I'm really excited about this opportunity, and I'm really hopeful that he's gonna come to know Jesus and know his grace. And so it literally got so twisted inside my heart that I didn't care anymore about him and his decision and his process that he was in. That I was just looking to almost like, this is gross, Pastor, confession for a moment, like notch my belt spiritually. I mean, as horrible as that is, I, I just I didn't know it until after the conversation was over, and here's how I recognized it, is slowly through the conversation, he's sharing what's going on, and I'm like, I'm trying to like, somehow like, bring Jesus to every like statement, you know? and I'm a pastor, and I know a lot of the answers to a lot of the questions that you might have insecurities about, like, like, like I've tried all of that stuff that you would hope you would know, and none of it worked. He honestly, he was backing out of the conversation. You ever been in those conversations where people can't wait to get out of it? I created that one. And it broke my heart. You know why? Because I love this guy. And I recognized that my selfishness disconnected me from my friend. And he couldn't wait to be done with our coffee. The Spirit of God just put that on my heart right after the meeting. I'm like, oh, what an idiot. Like, what did I just do? I went to my men's group later on that day. I said, guys, I think I screwed this up. What do you think? They're like, yes, you screwed that up. (laughs) Thank you. And I go, what do you think I should do? And they go, what do you think you should do? And I go, "Ah, I think i got to apologize. He said, yeah, you do. So I called him up, and I kind of knew he wouldn't answer. You know, like those conversations like where he's just like (laughs) straight to voicemail, you know, like one ring, straight to voicemail. And uh, I leave him this long voicemail just apologizing, dude. I am sorry. I was shoving Jesus down your throat like Jesus needed some help, right, from me. And I just apologize. And, uh, you know, he texted me like two days later, which is actually quicker than I thought it would be. <laughs> and he said, dude, I got your voicemail. Appreciated it a ton. means the world to me. I can't wait to get together again. And when he said that, it was just like, God, your grace is so good. You, you Thank you for another opportunity to continue to learn how to love somebody. You know what I, I love about the Gospels? It's not just for them. It's for me, too and that we're not disconnected from the good news of Jesus Christ. We're desperate for the grace of God to be at work in our lives and the life of everyone around us. See, when you and I are passionate about this motivation, creating gospel moments, the thing that gets created is gospel momentum. Write this down. You and I got to learn how to step into gospel momentum. Step into gospel momentum. In Acts chapter 2, here's what happened. 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus when Peter preached that sermon. And it says this in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. This is what the church devoted themselves to. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Can you go to the next slide for me? awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds, just like half a slide behind me, just go one more, uh, to all as any had need. See, a lot of times I I read this passage, just stay there on, on on the screen if you guys would. And I go, man, we gotta sell our possessions. We gotta, we gotta give to anyone who had, need. and what we're trying to do in that inevitably is trying to create momentum. But what I see here is a response. It's a snapshot. It's a Kodak moment that Luke took of Jesus' church without walls. This wasn't something the church like created because listen to this. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor. You know what that favor word is? Momentum. With all the people. And the Lord, who? The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. This is gospel momentum that's been created because of the hearts of love, generosity, conviction, motivation of Jesus' church, this church without walls. I believe that we long for moments like this. Man, God has done an amazing work over the last seven plus years here at Real Life on the Palouse, last five and a half years at Real Life in Spokane. Thousands of people have come to know Jesus just between the two churches. We just crossed the 800 baptism mark as a church uh, since we've existed. You know, you guys gave over $36,000 to help us get off the ground five and a half years ago. When I look at what you've been a part of and what churches from all over this region are helping to create, you know, it's that kind of generosity. You didn't know when you said, we're going to give $36,000 to help realize Spokane. You didn't know that close to 1,000 people were going to be baptized and come to know Jesus that never knew Jesus before in Spokane. You didn't know that we were going to have over 1,000 people every single week in worship and they're dreaming and praying and planning right now about the future church plants that God is going to use us to send. You didn't know about this momentum. Where it came from was this clear conviction to say, man, we are going to do whatever it takes to see the gospel of Jesus Christ move forward. This motivation sprung up inside you and you said, let's go. Real life, let's become this church without walls. Let's take the gospel with us. Man, when you and I do, man, no service schedule is too inconvenient. When we take the gospel with us, you know, friends that are sitting with us or that we've dreamed about sitting with us in services like this are suddenly there. You know, it's not our pastors baptizing people down at the the park. It's us in the water with our friends and our family. You know, when the gospel goes with us, like we see this region change, this world change by the power of God. Man, if we choose not to, though, I got to warn us, if you choose not to take the gospel with you today, this week, here's what will happen is you will be normal. You'll be just like everyone else. You'll be just like all the people that claim God's power and his grace but have nothing to show of fruitfulness in your life. And I man, that's probably one of my worst fears. Isn't it yours to just be normal? Here's the tragedy would be for our churches if we choose not to take the gospel with us is someday we'll, we've bled and sweat and sacrificed for facilities like this as we'll hand the keys to some other new up-and-coming church that's got enough passion and zeal to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And we don't dream about those kind of days, so let's take the gospel with us. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we believe that you're calling us today together with passion and conviction to become a church without walls. You give us the courage, God, today to take the gospel with us, Jesus. I pray for everyone in this room and over in the room in Pullman, God, that you would give us the courage, God, to do whatever it takes to get this gospel moving us, the conviction inside of us, and and to have this pure heart, God, of love for anyone and everyone, God, that you've given us relationship with, God. I pray that you would give us the courage to step forward, God, today and to take the gospel with us, Jesus. I pray for thousands more to come to know you in this region, God. I pray for tens of thousands across these couple of states, God. I pray for hundreds of thousands across this, sit, this world, God, and across this region, God. We believe that you have so much in store, God, that you've just begun this work, God, and we have passion and urgency, God, about this mission that you've called us to, Jesus. We believe that you've called us to reach this entire world for you, Lord. We love you, and we trust you. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Real Life. If you have any questions or feedback about this message, send us an email at comment at liferotp.com. Without Walls, we'll continue next week as Dan Shields from Valley Real Life joins us. Until then, be blessed and have a great week.